0: welcome to part two of our 2023 Open Championship Preview coverage. Drew, we're going to be talking about uh, Royal Liverpool, also known as Hoylake in this part. um, There's a lot of interesting history here. It's not necessarily a golf course that produces a whole lot of uh, memorable holes. There's not a whole lot of uh, famous TV moments like you might see at St. Andrews. Uh, or or some other of the open championship courses, but there is a lot of history here that we can talk about. Um, and there's a, a couple of, of recent tournaments that have produced some great winners that we'll we'll get to in a minute. But first off, just some some basic fast facts for you. Royal uh, Liverpool was founded in 1869, and uh, Robert Chambers and George Morris laid out the plans for the original course which at that time was just 9 holes and by 1871 they added a second 9 and it became a whole 18 hole championship golf course and that's the same year it became Royal Liverpool
1: so interestingly Caleb i read somewhere that the club is not actually located in Liverpool but it's 10 miles north of Liverpool in a village called Hoy Lake, which is why it's called Hoylake is that is that correct
0: that's right. It's actually south of Liverpool. South of Liverpool, across, okay. Across the water, and you're right. It, the village is called Hoy Lake, and it's right on the, the west coast waters of England. Um, so that that's why it's It's called Hoy Lake, but it's in the, the Liverpool region. Very cool. So there are two uh, important pieces of history uh, when we think about Royal Liverpool or Hoy Lake and their contributions to... game of golf the first is its pedigree as a horse racing track that's one of the the more unique aspects of this course not only in open championship venues but also in terms of just golf courses in general um a couple of the holes are actually laid out around where the old horse race track was and you can when you look down from above you can kind of see where the where the track was based on how they have laid out the golf course and and used the natural pre-existing land uh, when laying out uh, the the golf course. Another interesting feature of the course is the Royal Hotel, which is at the end of what is now the first hole in an Open Championship course or the seventeenth hole for the members. And uh, this actually used to be the old clubhouse. Drew, do you have anything, uh, any nuggets to add about this this old clubhouse?
1: Uh, I one one note I do have not not about the old clubhouse specifically, but the new clubhouse that was ultimately built to replace the hotel, uh, which I think happened, I want to say, in the nineteen twenties. Uh, the new clubhouse at Liverpool was one of the first buildings constructed specifically for the purposes of being a golf course clubhouse. So. The hotel historic and ultimately the club made some statement that using the hotel as a clubhouse, quote, didn't align with the club's priorities and decided to you know, engage in one of the first specific builds for a golf course clubhouse. So, again, we'll get into the fact that Liverpool has been a trendsetter, uh, especially the social aspect of golf in a lot of ways. And one of the minor ways was they had one of the first real clubhouses, but uh, nothing specific to add on the hotel itself unless you have something more.
0: No, just a a cool note that um, you know the the Royal Hotel is a is a relatively important feature of this course. and obviously you have the the hotel as an important feature of of St Andrews. Um, just a, a cool connection there as well.
1: Caleb one one other connection I'd like to draw between Liverpool and another open championship rotation course. I mentioned Musselboro in part one of this episode as a course that hosted some of the original opens and was on the original three-course rotation. Just like Liverpool, Musselboro was also a horse racing track and actually still is actively one. Um, I had the chance to play Musselboro in 2021, and it's a nine-hole course, and seven of the nine holes are within a horse racing track, so... Can speak. I mean, again, you know, we'll have an exciting announcement for Caleb at, at a point in time about this year's open. But having been to a place where you can see the horse racing, uh, the horse racing component is, is is pretty neat.
0: So, yeah, Drew, you mentioned that Royal Liverpool is a pioneer in in the game of golf. There's a lot of of firsts that uh, Lake can attach its name to in, in golf, and one of those is the first. Championship Tournament for Amateurs, which we now know as the Amateur Championship, was hosted at Royal Liverpool. It also uh, hosted uh, the first international match between England, Scotland, and the United States, which we now know as the Walker Cup, which is uh, sort of a, you can think of it as an amateur version of the Ryder Cup. Another uh, way that uh, uh, Royal Liverpool is is a pioneer in the game of golf is its role in the women's game. And Drew, I know you had some things that you wanted to say about that as well.
1: Of course, yeah. So one of the interesting things about golf in more traditional places like Scotland and England is that, (laughs) you know, a lot of these clubs were slow to admit female members. uh, And that was, you know, controversial when, Muirfield was actually briefly removed from the open rotation in 2016 and 2017 because they voted not to allow female members, and they since have done that. And so I think it's easy to think of golf and old golf clubs as being you know, male-centric and focused on the male game and not uh, not catering to women the same way they do to men. But uh, Liverpool was one of the rare exceptions to that, and one of, well, one of the many exceptions to that, really. But um, I think not talked about enough for the strong women's heritage at a place like Hoy Lake and it's been a lot more than even the last 20 to 25 years where that heritage has been built up. In 1896, the ladies amateur championship. So the, you know, basically the the female amateur championship was held at Hoylake all the way back in the 1800s uh, with Amy Pascoe ending lady Margaret Scott's domination. Uh, Then they had it again there in 1992. uh, And in 2012, they hosted the, the women's British open at Liverpool for the first time. So there's a strong history of female golf at Liverpool. Uh, and I think it's kind of a cool thing and something not, not talked about There's so much focus in the clubs that didn't allow female members that we didn't talk enough about, you know, what places like Hoyl Lake have done with being welcoming and encouraging of the ladies game um, for hundreds of years. So I thought that was pretty cool too. And, and one other way that the course has proven to be a trailblazer in the social aspects of golf.
0: Yeah. And, and that social aspect of golf is one of the more important aspects of the game when you talk about outside, uh, the professional and, and major championship level. Um, and I mean, even within and within that level as well, but especially golf is a, a social game for, for many of us. Um, so that's an important thing to highlight. Drew, you mentioned 1896 as the first female women's amateur or women's amateur, uh, championship. The, the men's amateur championship was first, uh, held at Hoy Lake in 1885. So only 11 years before, which is uh, not uh, a very long time in in the historical um, context of, of this. So very, very quick to also include women in the game as well. Hoylake has also uh, been one of the leaders in innovation. They've gone through a lot of... Uh, Iterations and renovations of their course. Um, We'll talk about some of the most recent changes, um, but there is an interesting 39-year gap in uh, Open championships held at Hoylake. The the Royal Liverpool Golf Club used to be one of the clubs on the rotation that Drew talked about in in part one. Uh, But in 1967, the Open stopped coming to Hoylake uh, for 39 years, and it was first uh, back in, in Royal Liverpool in 2006 when Tiger Woods uh, won the Open Championship at Hoylake. The next time was 2014 when Roy won, and now they're back again in 2023 uh, looking to add to that very elite list of Open Championship winners at Hoylake to join the likes of Uh, won Bobby Jones, as well as a lot of other great uh, players from the
1: 1900s. Caleb, just one past champion I'd love to shout out that we probably wouldn't recognize the name of uh, was a French professional named Arnaud Massey, who won in 1902. And uh, Arnaud Massey won. First of all, he's a unique character. He mastered golf and played professionally, both as a left-handed player and a right-handed player. At various times throughout his career which is kind of insane to think about i think i would be like a 50 handicap if i played left-handed uh it's not even possible it would be that bad but he won he, he became the first non-english champion to win at Hoylake, and he named his daughter Margot Hoylake massey so I, I thought that was kind of a fun story and uh a name that people wouldn't
0: recognize but cool that he
1: named his daughter after that that big
0: win yeah a beautiful a beautiful name is indeed um so this year Hoylake will become the fifth most used open venue after St Andrews Prestwick Muirfield and Royal St Georges. So you know, it's not a, a a club as we mentioned before that has a whole lot of super memorable holes that you can picture. You, know, you think of the 18th at Pebble or the 7th at Pebble or the 17th at, at Sawgrass as one of the some of the most pictured holes, the 18th at St. Andrews, some of those pictured holes in golf that you you say those holes and you can immediately picture in your mind what they look like. There's not a whole lot of that at Hoylake, but it has been one of the most consistent and it has produced uh, some of the best champions uh, of open venues. And it's one of the reasons that they uh, started coming back and hopefully will uh, keep coming back to Hoylake uh, in, in the future as well. Drew, do you have anything else to add to uh, the history of Hoylake before we start talking about some of the uh, feature holes and the changes that they made uh, coming into this year? Yeah,
1: just a couple things, Caleb. Um, I misspoke. Um, Arnold Massey won his opening 1907 at Hoylake, not 1902. And the 1992 Ladies Amateur Championship was not held at Hoylake, but the Curtis Cup, which is basically the female equivalent of the Walker Cup, so an amateur Ryder Cup was held um at, at Ahoy Lake. So just those two two minor corrections. Uh, one other quote I just want to add in uh, one of the champions, one of the overseas champions. So there was a there was a trend where there were some overseas champions, um, you know, non-English, non-British champions winning. Um, obviously Arnon Massey won in 1907. And then Peter Thompson, you know, won his third straight open at Ahoy Lake in 1956. Uh, but then the next one was uh Argentine Roberto da Vincenzo who is before that most famous for losing the masters after he was DQ'd following a scorecard error uh, when he likely would have won the masters that year. And he was quoted as saying, what a stupid I am. And uh, you know, he was a well-liked character and that I think made a lot of people feel for him, you know, made a mistake with the scorecard and lost the masters because of it. And he returned in 1967. uh, The last time the open was held at Hoyleg until 2006. And uh, after he won the trophy, (laughs) he was being interviewed by the BBC. And he said, I want to win this tournament so bad I lose my hair in England. And he took off his hat and showed it to the TV camera and said, look at that. Um, So that was a popular win. And uh, just a story I wanted to make sure we highlighted as well, because Roberto is uh, a famous
0: character in the game of golf, but um,
1: I'm glad he got his Open Championship.
0: And just uh, for some final counts here. Hoylake has hosted twelve open championships, eighteen amateur championships, a women's uh, women's open championship in 2012, two Walker Cups, and a Curtis Cup, like you mentioned, um, as well as three Ladies British Amateur Championships. Uh, so a lot of a lot of events, um, including some of the mo- more premier amateur events um, at Hoylake in, in in golf history. So let's talk about some of the changes that they have made to the course coming into this year. Um, They have done a lot of remodeling of especially the back nine. Um, The most notable is they turned the par four 17th hole, completely flipped it around. Um, So the players are playing in the complete opposite direction that they used to play. And it's now uh, from a par four to a roughly 135 yard par three. And this is going to be one of the more interesting holes uh, to to watch during this year's championship. Not only because it is a brand new hole to the course and to the tournament, uh, but it but because it is one of the uh, it's a pretty short par three for you know professional men's golf standards. But it's one that looks to be pretty treacherous. Uh, a lot of trouble if you miss the green. It's kind of on the edge of the property, so. There's lots of of wind. You're not protected from the, the elements, which is, you know, one of the uh, calling cards of of Links Golf. So I'm I'm excited to watch the seventeenth hole. It's gonna definitely going to be an exciting uh, hole coming down the stretch before you get to the beast of a, uh, over six hundred yard par five that has internal out of bounds. So those are <clears throat> two of my my favorite holes, including. Um, the third hole which is the other hole that has internal out of bounds in it as well and you, you might be wondering why these holes have internal out of bounds and that is primarily because one it's a a uh, feature of the course to kind of protect the integrity of how the hole was meant to be played especially when we we have talked a little bit about in on this podcast about the advances in equipment and, and how that has changed in the game. So it protects the integrity of the hole, but it also coincidentally lines up with the old horse race track that we mentioned earlier. And the outline of that track is the internal out of bounds. And you can, you can see it pretty distinctively um, on on TV where that, where that line uh, goes. Yeah, one, one thing I'd add about the third
1: hole there, Caleb, you know, internal out of bounds is definitely a hot, topic in golf course architecture. Some people absolutely hate it. Some people, like Caleb said, think it protects the integrity of the hole being played. One of Hoylake's architects said this, basically said, you know, the third hole is one of the best, you know, It's you know, it's the first hole for members, but the third hole for the tournament. The third hole is, you know, one of the best holes at our course. And his exact quote was, without the internal out of bounds, it wouldn't be much of a hole at all. Because um, it would be really easy without that. And so I think to be transformed Again, wh- whether I agree with internal out-of-bounds, I, I probably I don't think it's my favorite thing in the world, but I can certainly respect the way that it transforms a hole from probably the easiest hole in the course without the out-of-bounds, uh, a far too easy hole, to a hole that is one of the most difficult ones out there. It's, uh, it's a powerful tool, and I think Hoylake uses it in a way that that works.
0: Yeah, I think, I think I would agree with all of that, Drew. I think it, it is very cool to think about how a very simple change in the rules of how you play the course can have such a drastic impact on how the players approach the hole.
1: And then that internal out of bounds does come into play again on the 18th hole as well. Um, Not as much as it does in the third hole, but you know, someone's coming on the stretch, got a one shot lead on the 18th hole. I'm sure it'll cross their mind. So um, I think it's utilized well to apply some pressure On a closing stretch where you have two par fives, it theoretically could be easy for a winner to hold a lead with two easy holes right in front of them. Um, But having the internal out of bounds makes it just a bit harder and I think creates just a bit more intrigue coming down the stretch. So that should be fun to watch, that closing finish as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's it's You look on the scorecard, you see a a short par three and a par five to finish, and you might be thinking that it's a relatively benign finishing stretch. But uh, there's... Definitely the possibility that, uh, you know, you, you never know how hard it's going to be until the best players in the world go and play it. You know, they have been known to make a fool of predictions that some holes are going to be super, super difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they find a way to tear them apart, anyways. Uh, but it's a lot, a lot more difficult than it looks like on, on the yardage book. And with that, I think we're going to go uh, talk about the 2023 Open Championship preview the the storylines uh, and then uh, get into our, our fantasy game for this week
1: thanks for joining us, looking forward to seeing you in part 3